0: hello and welcome to b2b better a podcast for b2b professionals looking to be better than boring with their marketing my name is jason i've spent the last 10 years building content social and communication plans to help b2b companies hit their brand and revenue goals every week i break down the strategies and tactics that you should be thinking about in a fun size actionable chunks usually with an expert from the field this is real advice for b2b professionals who want to be better let's go And on today's episode of B2B Better, I am very excited to be joined by Chi Tukrul, head of content and social marketing for Yanko Design. hi don't you?
1: I'm great. Thank you for having me, Jason. This is this is so incredible for me. It's my first podcast, so thank you for thank you for doing that.
0: I'm very honoured to be hosting your first ever podcast. If it's anything like uh, how great you are on Twitter, I'm sure it's going to go absolutely swimmingly. Um, before we get into the, the interview where we're going to be talking about social listening and the benefits that it can bring to businesses, why don't you tell us a little bit about your role as head of content and social marketing um, and also and also the company, Yanko Design.
1: So Yanko Design is actually um, a global publication. It's headquartered in Japan, in Toronto, and in New York. Um, And it was started, I think, about 20 years ago um, just because the CEO really appreciated design. He was not a writer. He was not like an influencer. He was not a designer, but he had a passion for just like good products. And he started blogging about them and curating them and now 20 years later it's the leading magazine um, for all designers, design students, people who just love good products, um, artists to take inspiration from Um, and it's interesting because I'm also not a writer, I'm also not a designer so getting this job was a stroke of good luck and also just Instagram skills, because I just um, DM'd him, and I said, hey, I'm looking to do something different, because I had worked in agencies and production houses previously, and I also wanted to live in Japan for a little bit, so I thought this was a great opportunity. It was something completely out of my comfort zone, and I'd heard a lot about him just being one of the most amazing mentors and i wanted to take the opportunity so i dm'd him he didn't reply and for three weeks straight i would continue sending him ideas and strategies and email him things that i would want to want to do if i was picked for the job um and one day i just get a gif or, or gif that just said hired and i'm like okay okay i'll start <laughs> freaking out a little bit um And that's how I got my job. And I started initially as only their social marketer um, because that was the skill set that I had. And I was not very confident at the time in my skill set. I'm sure, like many people in the creative field, we all have imposter syndrome. And during the pandemic, that kind of like uh, heightened a little bit. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to do Instagram. And I really just put my head down and I did it. And after a year, we went from 500,000 followers to a million followers. So wow. that was something that really, yeah, it was crazy to me and to everybody in my team because I was, and I still don't look at the follower count. I am just there um, listening to what people want, which we'll, I'll, we'll come back to later. Um, so I'm just there listening to what people like, what people want to hear, and then doubling down on that. And that's really the essence of social listening um and I started to pick up on cues faster as I went went through the time and that's when after a year when I hit a million and my boss and I had a chat my CEO and he said do you understand what you're doing and I'm like yeah I know and he's like do you understand what this milestone means and I'm like yeah one million is great and he's like no you understand content strategy you understand social media and you understand what the audience is saying so that is why you're now going to be head of content and social marketing and for the first time was not afraid because I actually did it and I, and I was like okay yeah that makes total sense I'm not afraid to do this anymore and it gave me a lot of confidence I know titles are not everything um but it certainly as a young marketer made me feel like okay I think I know how to do my job um And that's how how the whole content head of content social media came to be. And I started to put my face a lot out there. We did a lot of lives. We did a lot of fun videos, a lot of Q&As. And one important part of being on social media is to put a face or put a human side to it. And for all these years, Yanko Design was just a magazine. Nobody knew who was running it. My CEO hates the limelight. So he found a a scapegoat, and he put me on camera, and he continued to push my um, my me out of my comfort zone. Um, and that really helped, I think, knowing as a audience, from, from an audience point of view, knowing that I actual human is listening to you, responding to your comments, um, just makes people connect with your brand so much better. So that was another thing that really worked in, in the favor of the brand, and also just me getting experience as a content marketer so that's a little bit of context and background on what I do and what I'm currently doing.
0: That's, that's a great background Chi and, and uh, for, for our listeners you may have picked up that um, Yanko Design isn't a B2B company um, but as we were talking a little bit before we started recording I think you know a lot of the kind of tactics and strategies that are kind of commonplace in the B2C world um, are increasingly important for b2b marketers to be evaluating because the b2b buying b2b buying behavior is changing so dramatically and starting to mirror more closely b2c buying behavior um, that uh, the kind of more conventional b2b tactics and strategies of just sending out a press release on the odd occasion and doing trade shows um, needs to be augmented by a more digital first approach you talked a little bit there about what the focus of this episode is, which is social media listening. Um, So break it down for us. What is social listening?
1: So the broader definition is obviously like how can you use social media to keep a tab on what your audience and what your community wants, what they're saying about your business, your service, your content, how they're supporting you. So that's like the most general way that I can describe social listening. But I do want to add that it's very different from just like doing looking at your data analytics because the first thing that comes to mind is like, okay, I can just open up my dashboard and I can look at what the analytics are telling me and that's fine. Um, But we have to remember that the, of course the analytics can give you like, okay, what were your top performing posts and that'll help you in your strategy. But the analytics or the AI currently is not designed to pick up on human sentiment. Obviously people are working on it. But at the end of the day, you still need a person to make sense, make a story of all the numbers that you see on your dashboard. And then apart from that, um, AI cannot pick up on positive or negative comments, which is why in general, you see so much hate on social media. And even if you report accounts, I'm sure everyone at some point has, they don't necessarily get taken down because it goes through an AI system and they cannot differentiate between good or bad. It has to be very specific keywords, which is why social listening is different from just reading data or making sense of your data. It adds a human component. So there will actually be a team if you're a big organization or if you're a smaller one then it will fall on the shoulders of your social media manager Um, and in the most basic sense it means looking through your comments looking through your dms and picking up on the sentiment that's all that it comes down to if you had to grade every comment like give it a thumbs up thumbs down or an okay Um, that's what it is like the most basic exercise in social listening and that helps you make more sense of your data as opposed to like okay you'll get a post that did 5,000 likes and it has these 100 comments and in your head you're like okay looks like that post worked great but what if that post had 99 negative comments right and it only got likes from the audience that you didn't want to appeal to so that's where social listening really comes in because you have to um, make sense of the numbers and then tie it in with human emotion and it's a very important skill even if you're doing b2b or b2c or really any industry it comes down to how well can you catch or pick up on your community's sentiment about your product. And that really helps you understand what direction to take your service or to take your company forward to.
0: Mm. So it's kind of adding some kind of qualitative data, um, I guess, to just the numbers, right? It's like you say, it's giving you an indication as to whether, you know, uh, a post or a story or a piece of messaging is being received positively or negatively by by your audience at large is that is that did i get that right
1: yeah absolutely you just have to it's like different from social media tracking and this one just ties it in with human emotion because you sadly still need a human to do that
0: yeah man versus machine right um what uh so so you so i get it so it's about understanding the kind of sentiment behind how your uh, your audience is perceiving your brand, your messaging, your content. Mm-hmm. what are kind of some of the i guess business outcomes of that? You talked a little bit about it in your last answer about kind of, you know, directing your maybe your product strategy or your content strategy, but once you kind of understand the sentiment, what as a business does that enable you to do? Um well
1: for starters say I'm posting something about like I post a picture of a pastry or I post a picture on Yanko Design about like a tiny house and there will be comments that say oh my god I love tiny homes or oh these are so cute and that Let's see, that makes you wonder, does everyone feel this way about tiny homes or does everyone feel this way about croissants? Um, and that's when you start to listen and you start to read in into the rest of the comments and you start to attach what I do would be like a grade. So it could be a thumbs up, th- thumbs down, or a neutral. And then you get a idea of like, whether that content really worked or not so once you kind of pick up on what are the pieces of content if you're doing social media or if you're selling a product what are your best sellers it really basically helps you determine what are your strong points so that you can push on that you can double down on those or you can make improvements to make those even more efficient Um, so it's kind of like a mix of i think tracking analytics and then also making sure that you are understanding the consumer behavior and that is that that is something that will work for b2c and b2b because at the end of the day everyone has consumers and once you are able to figure out your best sellers you know what direction your company is headed into and your audience at the end of day is driving that direction forward so if you're doing something right that's that's how you know like all right I have to expand on this area or on this service, or how can I use this service and get it to more people? How can I make this more accessible if this is you know positively received by ninety eight percent of my audience? So I think it's very important, even if you're a big company or a small company to consider investing time and energy into social listening because it might you might think like my product a is really my main goal. It's getting me the most money and it's getting me the most revenue and sales and blah, blah, blah. But what if your product B is actually that's, you know, it might be smaller in terms of revenue, but it's actually the one that people are using more. Um, So it kind of helps give you a perspective from the outside. And sometimes that's, it's very important to have that because as a team, you're going to be, Thinking that you've made the best possible thing and you've spent all of this time and energy. It's like the creator's complex is what I call it. You think your work is the greatest thing to exist ever and then you get feedback on it and that's pretty much what social listening is um, and that's when you know okay I can tweak this and I can tweak that or okay I think this is great for me but 500 people in my audience or in my consumers want this this other product to work or us to work double down or like increase another side of our service more because that's where the world is heading things change all the time so therefore your services or the content or the products you offer also will continue to change you won't have the same book be the new york times bestseller for 50 years right trends change all the time and therefore human behavior changes all the time so you have to kind of listen to what people are saying so that you can you can change with the changing times
0: would i be right to say that social listening applies obviously to the to to your brand and the kind of content that you're putting out into the world but also would apply to more the kind of the context of what's happening in your industry so if you were kind of interested in a specific Subject or a piece of news or something like that. You know, you would use social listening to understand how your potential customers are talking about it on social media. Would that be Would that be right to say?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a great pillar to include in your research, in your market research for sure. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be only when you've established your product or service it could 100% be used even before you launch something so it is it is 100% like a pillar or a department to consider putting your resources into whether you're a startup or a big business or a small business whether you are still waiting to launch your product or if you've already launched your product it could it could be it could be fit fitted anywhere in your timeline
0: It seems to me that particularly in a startup environment, it's super important because I'm trying to kind of frame this in my mind as like, you know, if coming at it from a B2B angle, Mm -hmm. you know, how could this help, you know, early stage companies? And it seems to me that let's say, you know, if you were a piece of productivity software, you could use social listening to... Uh, identify the kind of pain points that your potential customers are experiencing around their productivity. They want to be more efficient. They want to mm-hmm. get things done quicker. Um, you could use social listening to really identify the kind of the language they're using, the types of solutions that they wish were available in market. Um, and, you know, through that, you're generating a couple of things. One, uh, you're getting an understanding, kind of almost like a ready-made list of prospective customers or perhaps influencers or advocates that you may want to reach out to with your MVP once it's launched and, and get them using it. It gives you, you know, some of the mm. kind of uh, the, the, the language and terminology you may want to kind of plaster across your messaging on your website. Um, it gives you uh, an understanding around kind of what features to perhaps prioritize that you can feed into your product team and say, look, out of everything that we've got on our roadmap. X Y and Z are the things that are coming up most on social media so let's kind of speed speed up the development of those features in turn kind of building i guess a belief in your function as a marketing team which at the beginning stages of any kind of startup you know marketing the ROI that it can bring in is always under scrutiny so it seems like a fantastic tool particularly in the early stages to get a lot of quick wins in that sense
1: Oh yeah I'm I'm so glad that you brought up the productivity Um, software thing because i've just started using one called um, opal Uh, if i i don't know if i'm saying it right but it's spelled as o-p-a-l and it's basically a productivity app that blocks out all of your social media so you can set a timer um, and it will block out every single app that is known to distract people And it's very interesting because they are a startup. They're relatively new. And they've picked up on these apps by by looking at what people talk online. All of us at some point have tweeted or said, like, "Um, I am supposed to be working, but I'm here on Twitter. And it's a very relatable sentiment. And that is, like, a tweet that will probably go viral because everyone's going to look at it and be like, oh, my God, yes, that's so me. So startups or apps, like, opal will pick up on that and be like okay so it looks like twitter is an app that we 100% have to block so they have a whole list that they have curated based on what what people are most distracted by simply by picking up on the sentiment online on these very apps and if you ever download this app it has a very cute cartoon and it'll tell you things that you would probably like see as Instagram captions or as tweets so you instantly are familiar with the sentiment it, it is speaking to you as as you would speak to your friends and then it, it has picked up on that tone and that voice by incorporating social listening I mean it is blocking social media apps and you know to to get you to block your social media apps it has to be a very friendly thing it has to be something that you relate to and it has to be something you want to use so everything that comes in with that app the design the words they use um, how you set the timers how you start the session the reminders it gives you all of that has been picked up in a mo in a very subtle way from our tweets, from our comments, from our captions because you can tell that this person behind this app or whoever the team is has done their research they know exactly the kind of people they're targeting because I'll look at my app and I want to bypass the timer I want to like shut it and just check my Instagram it's an app and you're like no one's going to know if I just shut down my productivity session and I try to do that, you can't you can't bypass it, you <laughs> have to literally <laughs> shut down your phone if you want to you know, cut down your session. So once I started a session for eight hours thinking, like, oh my God, I'm going to be so productive. And I tried to end it after like two hours because I was like, okay, I need a break. I was not able to end that session. <laughs> and the fact that I had to turn my phone off and on, I was just like, well, I'm not going to do that. That's just so much effort. So I'll just continue working. And I- and it's interesting because they probably include that feature after knowing that a lot of people probably cut down their sessions after an hour or two hours or like I'm sure they did research to know at what point do people want to bypass your timer and then we're not going to let that happen because that's the whole point of this productivity app. And it's very interesting to me. They also have a great social media presence. It's small, but it's very, very powerful. They know what they're doing, they know how to connect with people and they use all their insights from these apps from their conversations online to make tweaks to their apps so simple things like you can't end this productivity timer you literally have to turn your phone on and off and i'm too lazy to do that so i just (laughs) let it run till, till till it was over but it's it is one one um brand that comes to mind when we talk about social listening they know exactly what they're doing
0: that's a great example, and I'll be sure to drop a link to their social media uh, in the description of this episode for anyone interested in checking them out. But we understand now. I understand now what social listening is. I can understand some of the benefits that it can provide to a business. You know, from your point of view, what does it? How do you begin to kind of start building a social listening strategy? And then, I guess a follow-on question from that would be: Then, what does success ultimately look like um, in social listening? How do you kind of know that you've done A good job.
1: Um, I think the starting point is, obviously, if you have any engagement, it could literally be two comments. But at any point you have engagement, that means you're ready to practice social listening. Um, It starts with the simple things, like looking at the comments, looking at your DMs, using the interactive features that the apps now provide, like doing polls, doing question and answers, doing... Um, those quiz stickers on instagram so we have enough interactive tools that actually make social listening a lot easier because sometimes you might find it hard to grade sentiment so for example i'll put up a design and it'll be a very like only emojis in the comments how do you grade that right so what i'll do is if it's a new design or if i'm trying to like see if this was well received i'll post it on my story and i'll attach a poll stickers you could either vote a thumbs up and a thumbs down so if you make it easier for your audience to express their sentiment it will also become easier for you to understand so instead of going down like 50 comments that are mostly emojis that doesn't really help me so I'll just post it on my story or I'll pose a question in the caption and I'll look for answers or I'll look for people complaining about things in the dms or i look for what were the designs that got the most thumbs up when i posted them on stories so i think at any point with your content or your service you can start if there is a two-way dialogue if you've opened the communication channel between you and your audience because everybody has an opinion it's only a matter of like are you asking for it? I mean, even if you don't ask for it, they're going to give you their opinion. But if you especially make a safe space or you make your audience feel like, okay, we're listening, you can tell us what you want and we'll give that to you, you'll get more nuanced replies. Things will be a lot more constructive as opposed to like just emojis or yay, this is great or no, we don't like this. Um, so it, I think a very important tactic apart from just looking through your comments and your replies and your dms is are you giving them a space to share more are you using all the tools available on your platforms so that they can give you more direct feedback because it comes down to that nobody has the time um to sit down and write you a whole review for free there are a lot of these apps that actually give you incentives and then get you to write reviews for for different services um So if you can incentivize it, if you're a big company, then yes, you can get, you can give them a link for a survey, you can ask them to write a review. But if you're a smaller company, I think the best way to start doing it is simply by using these tools that we already have on all of our apps, Um, get them to engage with your content and then it would give you a very clear picture of what they like, what they don't like. The The simplest way that I started to do for Yanko Design, because I'm not a designer, I didn't know if I was doing the right thing or the wrong thing. So any anytime that I posted a design that I thought was very interesting, just for a backup, I would also post it on my story and ask a question and just include a simple sticker with a thumbs up or thumbs down. And that would tell me, okay, what's working, and what's not working. And then I would pick up, on those cues and devise my next strategy and I'm like okay looks like they really like sustainable designs so now I'm going to do a roundup of sustainable designs and then that would lead into what kind of sustainable designs does this audience like they don't like anything to do with sustainable architecture but they do love things to do with sustainable kitchen appliances so it really you it can it's a tree and it branches out into very specific things that your audience loves or doesn't love but it starts with very very simple things as simple as like giving them a space to voice their opinion and just as human beings we love feeling important we love feeling that People are listening to us and we're heard and we're seen. Um, so when you give the space to your audience or e- even to the B2B that you're dealing with, your, to the businesses, um, if you make them feel like, okay, we're listening to you, what do you have to say? They're not going to shy away from feedback. And it creates a very safe communication channel where it's more um, it's more free. I would be so happy if the brands that I interact with daily Give me a space or give me a chance to share my responses, and then in month down the line, I would I could probably see the effects of it. I could see the content that I like that is doing more like more of that set of content, or a service that I gave feedback on is improving on these things. It really just comes down to that, and um, I think an interesting thing that comes to mind is like this photo app VSCO. Um, they have these pop-ups that come up that are about their services but they're framed in a way to appeal to creators so they will talk about are you taking time as a creator to focus on your mental health share what you feel like on vseo so like take pictures and share how you're feeling or are you feeling creative today are you feeling inspired today check out these things on our discovery feed and then tell us what you love and then when you look At updating their app they have very interesting anecdotes so always include something fun from the feedback provided by the users and then tell them exactly what they're working on what they're fixing as opposed to this version includes bug fixes so these are like the small things that companies can do to make the audience feel like they're they're important they're being they're valued and their opinion is being worked upon it is being taken into consideration
0: I love what you're saying here because it sounds like, you know, social listening could be somewhat daunting to a kind of a solo B2B marketer who, you know, has already got 101 things to be focusing on, you know, PR events, content, etc. And, you know, social listening, if there isn't a kind of quick, easy win, um, could fall down the kind of priority list. But what you're saying is that actually you don't need to invest in these kind of, you know, expensive clunky tools you know you can just start getting you can you can get going immediately just using the social the features in the social media platforms we use anyway day in day out um and uh, it's about starting small running some experiments um proving the concept um and uh, you know i loved your tree analogy right and then kind of letting that kind of branch off and take you in the direction um that that it takes you for me it seems like you know this would be great for b2b content marketers um in evaluating you know what it is they should be creating content about you know i think if you're a technology vendor um and you know you're trying to figure out where do where where do i need to have an opinion on subject x you know let's think about the you know the recent ios update the privacy update um that's now you know making Mm -hmm. us all aware around uh you know what, what apps are tracking us in what ways um you know you could very quickly publish some content on your social media channels on on twitter stories or on on instagram stories or what have you fleets um and uh you know use that as a channel to kind of get an understanding as to whether your audience wants to hear your opinion on that subject or in fact you know 3 or 4 other subjects that 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 you may be interested in creating content about thus validating your effort um in pursuing a particular kind of content stream um before you actually go ahead and, and put all that time and energy in creating something that actually your audience doesn't really care about if that makes sense
1: absolutely because i and i'll give you an example on that um when i started yanker design and we've done a couple of these ig lives with designers and a lot of people were like mm. oh why don't you do a podcast and then it's a lot it's a big undertaking i'm sure i'm sure you know um when I started to research on that I was like okay I don't like I'm ready to do this because I was on like a high from like doing really good content getting great feedback on the IG live so what I did like you said before I jumped into a big project and put all my time and energy in making a podcast I evaluated my timeline was that something that was feasible for me Um, and the answer was no it was not feasible for me but at the same time what i want was secondary in this in this case so i put it out to our readers on instagram and i did a whole set of stories that ranged from would you listen to a podcast how long do you want to list like what are the time is it 15 or 20 minutes is like the best stuff is it one hour what kind of topics would you like to explore would you want us to bring guest speakers or would you want us to dissect designs? Um, so, a range of questions is what I just as a person would have asked people if they were in front of me. And I just put that out there on my stories. And that gave me a very clear answer that, yes, podcasts are great, but... We would be totally fine if we didn't do that right now and we continue doing our IG lives because it came down to my last slide where I asked a simple question. Do you want us to do more IG lives or do you want us to start podcasts? podcast? And the IG life was a clear winner because you can put it on and you can still listen to it. And that's great because it worked out with my timeline for which I would have had to make huge changes if I had to start a new podcast. Um, And it worked for everybody listening. Our majority of our audience is on Instagram. So to get them to another app, to listen to our podcast, and then also repurpose the same thing on Instagram, I would need a bigger team. I would need more resources. And as a smaller team, I don't have that. So what was working was IG Live. So we just doubled down on it. And then we continued to do... A and B testing campaigns with the content or with the lives, what kind of topics we wanted to explore. Um, and that's another great tool apart from just analyzing your brand, your sentiment, looking at what people are saying. You can always do A and B testing if you're still confused about the direction that you want to take your company in and if you're not getting the feedback that is very very concrete just do small a and b tests that that don't require money it could like it could just be an instagram story it could just be a couple of content pieces on your existing channels or ask the audience if you can host a focus group and just ask them if you know what would they like to see if you want to invest if it's a big investment coming up so that was a interesting um Thing that happened to, to me in, when I was working for, and I'm still working for them, but like recently when I was doing a project for Yanko Design and then we had to put the podcast on the back burner and just continue doing what the audience was already happy with.
0: I think that's a great insight. And actually, I think it can also flip the other way, right? You know, if you are a solo marketer and or you're part of a small team, and you're trying to kind of source more investment from your your CEO or whoever um, to invest in new initiatives like podcasts or you know more social media, more content, more PR, whatever. You know, using some of the data that you can collect from from social listening um, can be a great way to kind of you know validate that decision around you know we should we should be getting more money and take it away from kind of a subjective this feels like something we should do but we don't really have any evidence to back up that it's actually going to work you know if if the poll on instagram live that you'd suggested on on instagram stories that you that you uh that you put out there flipped it the other way and said actually you know we do want to hear um about from from Yanko Design in the form of a podcast, then you would have been armed with, I guess, a stronger argument to go to your boss and say, look, this is what the people want. And if we want to give it to them, then we need to invest in it, wouldn't you say?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, totally. It makes a great it makes a very compelling case and also really helps with managing crisis. Um, So we we did a controversial post on our Instagram that highlighted the disparity between female and male designers and how lesser like there were more female designers in in schools and doing courses but they were not translating into the workforce so 60 percent of the students were female designers but like 60 percent of the workforce was not so we highlighted that and it was it was very quickly people went crazy on the comment section and we had a good heated debate in the comment section and before that went out of hand because I I, my notifications are on for my brand account which is crazy Um, (laughs) I would not recommend (laughs) that to anybody but especially if you're a one-person team which I am so I have to keep them on Um, and I started to look at look at them and initially it was all um, women being like, yes, this is so true. Thank you for standing up for us and thank you for voicing this and things like that. And then very quickly that attracted these misogynistic men that came into the comment section and really took over the purpose of this post, which was to highlight the gap and help um, help fix it. Um, By shining light on it and it was very quickly taken over by by men who didn't agree with it and were just um, taking away from the messaging and at that point it was very important for me just as a content marketer or as a social marketer um, to decide whether I wanted to step in and manage the crisis before it went crazy or just wait it out and let people take control Um, I decided to step in because I knew that this would get out of hand if we did not step in um, people would look at our publication and, and question us like, okay, you posted something that was controversial and you didn't take the stand that you posted for. If, if I believed in it, I, I should have spoken up. Um, so I did let it go for one hour or two hours. And then the third hour, I'm like, okay, this will reflect very badly on us as a brand and as a publication if we're trying to advocate for equal rights and then just stay quiet if if I see like comment section going getting really heated, so I stepped in and I really um, I asked my boss for permission, obviously, and he 's like, "Yes, you can go all out so so I did, mm-hmm. um, and I just spoke from a place of what any woman would feel like when they were being targeted, um, and that was a very interesting thing because it helped us manage the situation before it turned into a pr crisis or before it turned into a situation where we would probably have to write an apology in our notes and then put that um i was able to get him there stand up for what we posted lend our support as a publication to female designers who were fighting the good fight in the comments section um and then it turned out to be a very positive very positive Um, piece of content that had great ripple effects. We started seeing design studios create pledges, um, create programs, and um, just have these ally programs so you could actually now be a ally for female designers sign a pledge and know exactly what studios are supporting um, more female designers and what are what are schools doing to make sure that all of this all of these female design students are being hired at the end of the day so it was one piece of content and I was listening as a social media manager and it was a it was a make-or-break decision for me to step in and speak up, or sit back and let it turn into a disaster. So there could also be moments like that, even if you're a small team or you're, or you're a big team. If you're listening for actively listening, for actively engaging, and if you have, um, if you really want to make sure that you're you know, you're using a platform for good, it could save you so much money in your PR, PR from your PR budget. And so much of the crisis can be avoided. You could, you could make positive changes like how we did with we co Design and we created a safe space for female designers and we created ally programs. And now the world's not perfect, but it's certainly a little bit better than, than what it was before that post. And it all came down to, um, us listening as opposed to just letting people argue in the comments aimlessly.
0: Such a great example of the power of social listening to get ahead of a, a crisis. Um, and uh, you're right, you know, before, before it gets picked up in the media, you know, nine times out of 10 crises are uh, spilling out on social media first. And if you haven't got the kind of tools and processes and, and systems in place to to get ahead of that, you may be waking up the next morning and finding out finding your brand plastered all over the uh the front page of the New York Times because of something that could have perhaps been avoided um, if you've been ahead of it on, on social media first. Gee, this has been a fantastic 101 on social listening. and I think the kind of the benefits and the insights that you've shared you know, from your work at Yanko Design could easily be transferable into the B2B world. Um, before I let you go, I want to ask you a question I ask all of my guests, um, which is you know, what do you think is going to be the biggest change in how B2B companies market themselves in the next five years?
1: Um, I do think that B two B companies are now becoming a lot more human, um, and I will. I th- I do think that I'm gonna start seeing this trend. That I already in some companies where they use their employees to be their biggest like spokespeople, or or I guess their own influencers, as opposed to reaching out. For advertisements or reaching out to celebrities, um, no matter what your service or product is, I think when and then, like they're tr- they're giving the space to employees to actually be spokespeople for bigger brands, and I'm I'm seeing that happen so often now, and I feel like that would be great for B two B because at the end of the day, even if you're B two B, both sides are human. You you are still dealing with people, so I think when you add a Um, a face and a voice and someone that you recognize and someone that you can relate to, even in a B2B setting, it makes it easier. I imagine that I would be more comfortable dealing with um, a a person that I recognize from social or I recognize from newsletters or podcasts, as opposed to just a brand directly coming at me with the corporate jargon. Um, So I think that is certainly something that I am seeing more and more brands do. Um, no matter what industry they are in, they're giving their employees a bigger platform to be more authentic. And, you know, it's an extension of the brand itself. So I feel like that could work with any business. Um, Just make your employees an extension of your brand in their own authentic way so that it doesn't feel forced and so that people can relate to them.
0: I couldn't agree more. Chi, thank you so much for coming on to B2B Better. For anyone else who is for anyone who's interested in learning more about you and your work at Yenko Design, where can they find you online?
1: um so yanko design is on all socials at yanko design we're active on twitter and instagram but more heavily active on instagram because it's a it's a design it's a design account so you have to kind of see the product um so you can find them at yanko design on instagram and then me personally my my handles are the same across all socials it's at To crawl um I guess Jason can leave a link in his description because my my last name is a very tricky one. So you might just want (laughs) to copy paste that.
0: I Absolutely. I'll leave a link to to your Twitter, which is fantastic, by the way. You've done such a good job in the last uh, few months since you've been on the platform, building up a following. Um, You're one of my favorite followers on the platform. I'll drop your Twitter handle in the description of this episode. But Chi, thank you so much for coming on to B2B Better. We'll speak to you soon
1: thank you so much for having me. This has been, this has been so incredible. I hope that I wasn't rambling, but anybody has any questions, I just want to say my DMs are always open and I'm always up to clarify or speak further if you want to discuss anything. So just hit me up. And Jason, thank you so much for having me. This was really, really incredible.
0: And that's it for this episode of B2B Better. If you found it useful, go ahead and leave a rating, a review, or just shoot me a DM on Twitter telling me so. It will make my day. You can find me at Jason R. Bradwell. Also, why not check out my weekly newsletter, The B2B Buy, where I break down marketing strategies and tactics for B2B leaders into fun-sized, actionable chunks. You can find the link in the description of this episode. If you've got any questions or there is a burning topic that you'd like to hear me talk about on B2B Better, or you'd like to appear on an episode, you can connect with me on Twitter or find me on LinkedIn. See you next time.